no matter your background, if you want to work in foreign policies, there's a space for you. Hello, Women in Diplomacy listeners. I'm your host, Kelsey Sumnick, and I'm really excited to announce a dynamic partnership with Women in Foreign Policy. This is a story of true diplomacy because Lucy Goulet and I crossed paths in the Twitterverse, as you do, and we saw that we were doing similar things. So we decided the only logical next step was to produce a project together. Now, that's the power of women in diplomacy. We don't hesitate to collaborate, and we know from experience that it takes a village. What encourages us both is that if two different women working in different industries on different continents had the same idea, that means it's definitely an idea that needed to come to life and be pursued. Over the next year, Lucy and I are producing a series on women working at the intersection of technology and diplomacy. You will not only hear a new podcast episode on the first Wednesday of every month, but you'll also be able to find a written transcript of the interview on womeninforeignpolicy.org so that you can spread the word and share the resources with those world changers in your life. It will include interviews with Arazu Riahi, the program director of Tech Women at the Institute of International Education, and Katie Shea, legal counsel for business and human rights at Yahoo. Plus, there'll definitely be an interview with Irene Wu, a professor at Georgetown University who recently wrote the book, Forging Trust Communities, How Technology Changes Politics. It will be so fascinating to hear from these women what their work is like on the front lines and also what career advice they have for us. So definitely tune in and join us and tweet at us if you have suggestions of women in tech that you'd like to see us interview. I'm serious when I say it's like Lucy and I's brains were synced before we ever even met. Listen to this. The mission of Women in Foreign Policy is to inspire as many women as possible to go into foreign policy careers, whether they are just starting out or seeking a mid-career transition. I highly recommend checking out womeninforeignpolicy.org because it features women not only in the obvious governmental jobs, but over the last two years, Lucy has interviewed women working all over the world in journalism, NGOs, think tanks, you name it. If there's a woman making an impact in global affairs, Lucy is on the story. She has an amazing email newsletter that brings a burst of inspiration to your otherwise boring inbox. And you can learn more across social media using the hashtag WIFP. Some of my favorite things about Lucy are, I love that she's French and she lives in London. So all of her impressive work is done in a language that isn't her mother tongue. I love that she works in fashion because that's her passion. And in her interview, she gives us a glimpse into fashion diplomacy and why it's important. But most of all, I love that Lucy has embraced my own work, shared tips from her journey, and brought me along for the ride. After interviewing thousands of women to collect inspiring advice, we now get to hear what her advice is for us. Let's meet Lucy. Lucy Goulet, welcome to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. I'm so excited that you're here to talk to us about your work and your story. Thanks for having me. Tell us about Women in Foreign Policy. Sure. So Women in Foreign Policy is a website, a social initiative I started 
just over two years ago. And the aim is to get more women uh, working in foreign policy. The way I am achieving that is by featuring interviews with women already working in foreign policy. So the idea is really to have a remote mentoring platform. What has your journey been like in building this initiative? And uh, what would you say have been your biggest challenges? I think it's been it's been a really interesting journey because obviously as I'm developing the site, I'm learning a lot as to what I can do to take it forward and to make it more successful. Uh, biggest challenging, one of them has been time because I've got a full-time job. So Women in Foreign Policy is a side venture and it takes me 10 to 15 hours a week. So obviously working on that, it's it's meant like not doing a lot of other things I could be doing. Um, so time is one. Uh, funding is another. I'm, it's completely self-funded at the moment. So sort of making sure I invest my own money in the right places. And then I'm, I really need to start looking into funding. And then the last one, and I think it's one that I've grown more aware over the past few months has been making sure that the interviewees I feature come from a really diverse background. So beyond interviewing women, making sure I interview women of color, also making sure that I don't just interview women coming from the same universities, really sort of proving to girls and young women out there that no matter your background, if you want to work in foreign policies as a space for you. Yes, and I have to say that in my own project, this podcast, I have also encountered similar challenges. One thing that really surprised me is that I've actually had to be fairly convincing to many women to have them, Very uh, true. to get them to come on the show. Oftentimes the response is, well, I'm not qualified enough or, I'm not working in diplomacy now, or I didn't have a traditional mm. path in diplomacy, so I'm not sure that I'm a match. And what I want to say to these women is, no, that's exactly why I want to interview you. I want you have a unique path, and I want to hear Absolutely. about that story. Has that been a challenge for you? Absolutely, and I, I think it's one of the things we are trying to address with that new partnership uh, we're launching and showing women that if they're in the digital or the technological space, they can still have an influence on foreign policy. And it's really showing to women that there are multiple ways, like you don't need to be an ambassador or a foreign correspondent to do foreign policy. So redefine what foreign policy means, because unless we manage to do that, I don't think we're going to be able to progress foreign policy. But I think Another part of your question is about self-confidence and there's been multiple studies done about it, but this idea that women tend to have that they're just not good enough. And I, I completely agree with you, you know, that if, if we ask them, it's because we think they're good enough and it's because people will be able to relate to them. Exactly. For our Women in Tech series, are there certain interviews you're most excited about? Um, I mean, we, we, we don't have a very clear lineup yet, but I think that I'm really excited, for instance, in interviewing women who, through technology, are managing to 
have an impact on the refugee crisis. I've been reading a lot about uh, women creating apps, for instance. There's in Germany, there's this uh, startup which is doing courses for refugees and sort of making sure that Syrians, for instance, get the proper education so that when they go back home, they can really lead and transform Syria. So I think those are really exciting ways technology at the moment is interacting with foreign policy and, you know, changing the world, basically. So tell us a little bit about you. What's your personal story? What made you want to work in international relations? Yeah, so I uh, I studied international relations and history at the LSE. I did my undergrad there. And then like so many of my peers and so many in our generation, I think, I graduated during the recession and getting a job was quite hard. So I've been working in luxury fashion marketing for the past six years, actually. And women in foreign policy is something I started two years ago, as I said earlier, because I was involved in a think tank called Future Foreign Policy. And the aim of the think tank is to get more young people involved with foreign policy. They had a launch event at Reuters in London where they had a a sort of speech contest. And my speech was about why we need more women in foreign policy. And then I did the speech and pretty much everyone in the audience agreed with me. And I realized that it was all good to do a speech, but it would be even better to do something about it. So I looked at my skills and one of the things I do, I do a lot of writing as well. So that's how I came up with the idea for the site. I wish I had been in the audience for that speech. It sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I've published it on the on the site as a, a sort of text for it. Oh, great. Okay. Then listeners, definitely go check that out. And where did you grow up? Do you have early memories of knowing that you wanted to contribute to foreign policy? Yeah, so when I was a kid, I wanted to be the first French female president, which is not quite foreign policy, but, you know, it's still, it still has quite a, a world impact component, obviously. And, and that was, that was 30 years ago. I, I was, you know, I'm 30, I'm turning 30 this year. And what I find really sad is that I could still be the first French female president. Yes, so much ground still to cover. Exactly. Speaking of current goals in global affairs, for our student listeners out there that are maybe searching for a topic in international relations to focus on for their research thesis, what is a topic that you feel like needs more attention and help? I think, and coming obviously from my background in luxury fashion, I think the idea of fashion as a form of diplomacy as soft power is really important and really understudied. And I mean, you've, you've got some bodies like, for instance, the Britain is Great campaign, which is making sure that British businesses are known abroad. So it does have a fashion component to it, but that's more from a business perspective. So, but I think you know, the way your country is perceived through fashion. So if you talk about France, there's where, which is where I'm from, there's, you can't separate France and fashion 
Um, and I think that some fashion brands as well as are using that really well, like you see Chanel and they've really sort of defined this idea of who the French woman is abroad. Dolce Cabana is another one which does it really well. Like when you look at their advertising campaign, they're selling this perfect idea of Italy abroad. So I think those are really interesting aspects of fashion and diplomacy to look into. Lucy, for everyone listening out there that wants to find more information on women in foreign policy, how do you recommend we stay in touch with your work? We're so women in foreign policy, obviously, that's the main platform. We are redesigning the site and a new one is launching this month. So super exciting. Uh, We're on Twitter and we're on Facebook. Like if you look up women in foreign policy and all the social media platforms are linked from the site, obviously. Uh, you can you can email me. My email is on the site. If you would like to be interviewed, I would absolutely love to hear from you. And if you're more interested in my sort of fashion writing and general opinion writing, uh, you can look up. I've got a blog called Fashion Abessadere, and I'll send you the link because it's a French title, but it's in English. So finally, what yes. career advice would you give to young women interested in pursuing a foreign policy career? So I've just finished reading a book called Lean Out by a British journalist. She writes for The Guardian, amongst others, uh, called Dawn Foster. And obviously, it's a it's a criticism of Lean In and of this focus we've got we've had recently on corporate feminism and on this focus on sort of the one percent of women who make it really high, but not really looking after women who aren't really powerful and she she takes examples like for instance she takes the example of Theresa May and how when she was um, home secretary a lot of the measures she took negatively influenced women like the poorest women Um, and that, that really got me thinking about how when when you start being successful in your career and I guess that's in a way less relevant to really young women, and I'll, I'll come to young women next, but when you start to be successful in your career, making sure that it's not just about your success and the success of other successful women, it's also about the success of women looking from the outside in who might struggle to get in and making sure you help them. So that that uh, my advice for young women would be just know what you want to do and don't hesitate to ask and going back to the don't foster book i i am aware that sometimes it's really hard to ask because you might be in a position where you don't have anyone you could ask or where you don't know where to start but i think this I mean, there's LinkedIn, there's social media and there's, you know, websites like mine and yours, Kelsey. And yeah, so ask, I I get a lot of emails from young women who want to go in foreign policy, don't know where to start, asking me to put them in touch with some of my interviewees. And those are some of my, my 
favorite interaction with the readers because that's really why I started the site. Lucy, thank you so much again for sharing your own wisdom and everyone out there who's listening, we're looking forward to having you join us this year. Um, a new interview each month on women in technology. Absolutely. And, and touch- very importantly, Kelsey is going to be featured on women in foreign policy this month. So if you want to learn more Ooh. about the podcast, you know. <laughs> yes, I'm really this excited. This is the thing about women and self-confidence. I think we have a tendency to promote other women, but forget about ourselves. Indeed, looking forward to it and hope to see everyone out there on Women in Foreign Policy and listening to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. Absolutely.